we really want to open the doors to kind of design to happen anywhere and empower users to to use platforms like video games to 3D print and to yeah to kind of empower the creation and the production of design. Hello and welcome to Arconnect Sessions One to One. I'm Amelia, and this week I'm speaking with Jose Sanchez, an architect in Los Angeles who for the last two years has been developing a city-building computer game that runs on real city data. In Blockhood, players build cities out of 80 preset block types and are rewarded for thinking ecologically and creating diverse cities. Sanchez wanted the game to be accessible to everyone, not just urban planners or architects, and to ultimately be a learning tool, but also fun in its own right. So for Arconnect's special editorial theme of games this August, Sanchez spoke with me about the overlaps between game designers and architects and how game simulations can help architects better understand themselves. Well, I would like to know first off simply a little bit about your background, how you first got into architecture and then how that kind of dovetailed into your work with Blockhood. Um, right. So I'm originally from Chile and that's where I study architecture in the Universidad de Chile. And I had a very kind of uh, traditional education of architecture, but I, I did have several interesting tutors that were very interested in technology in different degrees. I did a master's degree in London. So I went to the Architectural Association to do a master's degree. And in that program, I was very interested in learning how to code, uh, learning how to write uh, software for, you would call it parametric design, I guess. But I was much more interested in like biological growth and self-organizing systems and complexity and issues of research in architecture that, that would require procedural uh, techniques like um, basically writing algorithms to to deal with systems, and that went really well. I I, I became I think rather good at coding and, and programming, which allowed me to start teaching in DAA. For the next few years, I was teaching programming and also assisting in studio, and it was a very interesting moment to really learn uh, what was going on in the field uh, and and many other kind of areas in architecture at that time. Until I really had the chance to start my own studio in. UCL. So I, I moved from the Architectural Association to the Bartlett uh, in UCL in London. And this is a point in which Frederic Migueru, who was the director at the time, he really encouraged me to really think of my own agenda, my own approach to, to design. And I had been thinking that for a while. I had been working within a London firm uh, while I was teaching. And I've been always kind of very happy working on, 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 on different computational studies. But at the same time, I had my own criticism, right? I, I always thought that the kind of computational systems that we usually do as architects, they're tools for ourselves. And, and those tools often don't reach a larger market, a larger audience. They We spend a lot of time in terms of developing software in tools that nobody gets to play with. And I always uh, also was critical of how some of the techniques rely heavily on the so-called intelligence of an algorithm, right? And basically some of the intuition of the architect or the designer would be completely devoided or removed from, from these kind of intelligent decision-making algorithms. And I, I always thought that there would be an alternative, right? There could be a way of thinking of computation and, and technology in which human designers could be coupled with algorithms and you could actually start kind of creating some interaction between those two, a much more intuitive one uh, that the algorithm would help 
the, in this case, the player or, or the user. And I started conceiving this, this relation more as a video game. I really started thinking that, well, I, I was always a big fan of video games. And I thought that this interaction between a, a human intuition and a kind of constrained system of intelligence, it really played out as a video game. So this was my proposition to start a research agenda at UCL that I called Gamescapes. That was in 2012. And yeah, I've been researching the, the relation between architecture and gaming since then, both in physical form and lately more in the digital with video games. And you started developing Blockhood when exactly? When And you were while you were an assistant professor at USC. Can you tell me a little bit about that origin story? Sure. Basically, the, that agenda of, of gaming is something that brought me to Los Angeles, like uh, USC. I was applying to this position in USC, and I, they were really interested in that. In the research that I was doing with gaming as something quite uh, new to the field. And so I moved to California. And that very year, that was 2014, there was a smart geometry conference in Hong Kong. And I applied to that conference proposing to do an urban uh, simulation game that would simulate the way the, the density of the city of Hong Kong would actually grow and, and some of the criteria that would make different buildings the way they are. And those could be analyzed in a kind of in a playful for, format, like a video game. Yeah, the organization of Smart Geometry really liked the idea. They took us, me and a team of two more people, Satoru Sujihara and Sergio Irigoyen, joined me to, to go to Hong Kong and, and develop this prototype, which was, to be honest, a very short prototype. It was like a, we spent maybe two months developing what would be the basic prototype of the game. And then we really worked with the students in the Smart Geometry Conference to kind of tune the criteria and balancing what would be the real criteria for the game. And and that, that project that was called Block by then was very well received. We had a few articles, people like Fast Company called it the Minecraft for real world. In, in stretching the imagination that we could actually have something like a Minecraft engine that could be using real world data. And this is exactly what we wanted to do. So I basically decided to take very seriously that project, that prototype and convert it into a fully fleshed game. And I've been spending, I've basically been two years working on that project since then. Yeah. So for someone who say grew up with SimCity, for example, how might you explain the basic gameplay and the kind of objectives of Blockhood? Well, I, I grew up playing SimCity for sure, and, and those are the big references, uh, games like that. I think that there is already kind of a, an intuition to these kind of games because of games like SimCity, but we definitely wanted to, to use the opportunity not to copy the model, but really to rethink what is the model of the city that we wanted to portray. If you really are building a city simulation, you need to have like a, a model of what is the way things work in a way, right? Like what, what is the main mechanic? And for that, I really thought that thinking of ecology, right? So uh, the main mechanic of the game is that of ecology as opposed to economy, which SimCity is the one, basically the paradigm that SimCity works with, right? So instead of really collecting taxes and spending your money in resources and infrastructure, what Blockhood uh, it's all about is really maintaining a balance uh, between an ecosystem of, of resources. So you're passing information between different entities and basically that, that small mechanic, which is an input and output mechanic between tiles, really kind of structures the whole gameplay. And there's no real production cost. It's not really to think of how much I can spend. It's whatever you build needs to be maintained over time and it needs to survive over time um, based on the, the kind of resource transferred among different units. So I think it was really a great opportunity to kind of have an, a personal and, and very kind of unique contribution to the field of game design and in this particular sense uh, to city building games uh, from an architectural perspective. 
So in as simple terms as possible, how would you define the objective if there even is necessarily a specific objective to a game like Blockhood? Well, the game invites you to design, but there's no real end to the game in a traditional sense, right? It's not like in a Mario game where you really reach the end of the game, but rather you are designing and you're creating anything you want as long as you're maintaining balance. So it's, it's basically a survival game if you really mm-hmm. want to look at it like that. Mm-hmm. If you, you're dealing with your own ambitions, right? So if you want to go higher as a tower or kind of expand the ter- in the territory, you're going to have to be dealing with a more complex system. And... The more complexity you have, there's more chance for something to go wrong. So you are kind of pacing yourself as a player to to see how much complexity that you can kind of maintain in balance. And and those are kind of the interesting moments where things go wrong and when you really realize, well, this happened because I didn't have enough resilience over winter. Maybe there was not enough energy being produced and there was a shortage. And we are really kind of trying to flesh out all these kind of unexpected moments that, that become educational, but also they become fun, right? So I think that people learn from that experience of really failing and, and then trying again. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that perhaps it was exclusive to earlier versions of the game, but that at least one stage there were the game used or relied upon data from the city of Los Angeles to form some of that rationale and the logic behind why certain ecologies worked or didn't. Can you tell me a little bit about that, whether or not it's still a part of the game development and how you adapted that actual city data into the game? Yeah, well, we have a team where we definitely do research and from architecture and game design to kind of portray data from the real world into the system, right? But we need to understand that Blockwood is a diagram of how things really work in the real world. So in the moment we start introducing like agriculture or all sorts of different industries, we, we definitely look at what are the elements and the ingredients of those production chains, and we represent those into the game with their accurate resources. But we've taken an approach to be more general in terms of like civilization rather than local to LA area at this time. Uh, we have uh, been introducing climate variations, um, topography variations, and but but they kind of refer to kind of a generic urban condition. And I think that we're kind of trying to start zooming in more and more in detail to get to scenarios that could be very specific to current world scenarios, right? Mm. But we've been doing much more work on trying to represent different industries. Uh, as I said, the, the food industry, uh, different form of uh, industries in terms of production of clothing and retail and, and how the city is really looked at as a, as a pumping heart, right? It's something that is constantly in producing resources and ex- exchanging those resources at different scales. And those industries are constantly being reimagined, I think. And we want to invite the players to really envision these industries as well in, in different forms and tinker with them, combining them, hybridizing them, and seeing how to create habitats that are kind of interesting and <laughs> in a way revive a sense of utopia of how how cities should be. And I think that that's what the game is trying to do at the moment. And the game has been downloaded quite a fair amount on Steam and other platforms and seems to have been receiving quite a positive response. I'm also wondering then, in as an architect designing this game, do you feel like your approach to the product and the actual development of the game was in any way different or unique because of your architecture background, as opposed to, say, someone who is a game designer by title, and that is what their core purpose as a professional might be? Yeah, I've been thinking of of this question actually a lot recently because a few people have asked me about this. 
And my reflection has to do with, in game design, you have a lot of things that are kind of the game mechanics, right? You have a lot of things that have to do with like how the game functions in terms of its programming or the scores and so on. And it seems to be that the graphics and the, let's say the visuals of a game are basically used to communicate narrative or to communicate other things. I, since the very beginning, I started thinking that the form of the elements that you're working with and basically the kind of designs that you're producing are as fundamental mechanics to the game as, as what is actually your score or the resources. So many times you, as a player, you, or the way I feel about it is you want to design something, but your desire is, is in a way, it's what is in your way, right? Like it's, it's kind of forcing you to, to try to take different approaches to reach that goal. And you're creating a goal for yourself, which is how things particularly look. But at the same time, the game is forcing you to think of all these other layers about systems and resources and balance and sustainability. So for me, the, the kind of the, what the player brings to the table, it's already something that is part of the game. And, and maybe a lot of players don't bring that kind of design perspective and they can actually play with the mechanics of the game only and just look at that. But I do think that some of the, the people that are, have engaged and the community that's being built upon the game are people that are having this perspective as well, which is not only playing with the mechanics of the game, but also looking at how do, do we design buildings and cities that, that could be interesting and, and we want to give the tools for them to do so. So can you tell me a little bit about the intended audience for the game and, and who might you imagine would be the ideal player who you would want to expose the game to? I think that we... We are open and, and really inviting everybody. Like we, we have been targeting an audience that is maybe eight or ten and up. Like we, we think that the, the complexity of the game is something that that it's better understood by kids around ten and up. But I think that's that kind of the intended age. A few people have asked us, uh, is this really intended for architects and architecture students? And I definitely think so. I mean, we we had the case that the game has been used in a few universities as um, as a case study, as, a, as an analysis tool, and people are suggesting. Uh, different universities are working with us to really add um, new additions to the game or suggest changes or corrections. And, and that's definitely like interesting. But at the same time, I, I really like the idea that most of the um, elements that we in the field might consider maybe impossible, like they could come from ideas that of players that are unexperienced, right? Players that are coming with a fresh new take and they start kind of addressing these systems and start developing an, a, a different kind of imagination of what we could do with the urban fabric. And I think that that's very exciting for me, not to kind of close the game only to architects and designers, but rather have a kind of a larger community of people that engage with it. For that, we really want to create tools where people can share their creations, share and yeah, uh, transfer their um, their knowledge, I guess, uh, in different different puzzles that we have and challenges that we have within the game. So ultimately, we have a community that could be proposing different alternatives of, of uh, or patterns, in a way, of how the city could be. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the early playtesting or any type of playtesting happening throughout the development of the game? And what were some of the most difficult things that stood out or, or problematics that arose in the context of developing it? Yeah, well, the game, I mean, this is the very first video game I, I do, and it's definitely been a roller coaster of, of experiences in terms of there's so many stages to really be able to be in the market and, and have kind of an audience really looking at the game. We, we had to do first a green light, 
just Steam is this platform like uh, the App Store when they don't allow anybody in, but they just allow like a selected group of games and they have a program that is the Greenlight pro- uh, program. And we applied through that. We started kind of creating a, a small following that people that supported the game in the Greenlight and we got the pass in a way to, to go into, into the platform once we were ready. Uh, at that time, we, we created that small community and we were able to start doing a private beta, beta testing, right? So we put the game into the Steam platform, you know, completely private form and we send invites to maybe like 200 people that would be playing with us and giving feedback this is not working this is a bug and this was completely free people that would volunteer because they like what they were seeing in the campaign and this is where we really started uh, learning what the game was doing and, and understanding that you know there's things to be a lot of things that need to be polished uh, things that were not communicated well to be honest we're still in that process we're still in the process of learning everything that could be improved and how to communicate well to our audience but but the game already after maybe two months of beta testing uh, we released it as an early access mode which means that the game it's you, you can purchase it, uh, but the game is still in development. It's still kind of unfinished. And we open the doors to, to the community to, to engage with us and, and, and give us suggestions of how the game should be improved and, and yeah, improved towards uh, the final release, which is going to be throughout the year. And basically right now we have a, a much larger community of people constantly suggesting things. And some things are polish suggestions of how to improve the game, but some others are really new features and new ideas of where the game could go. So I think that the game, it's trying to kind of create strong ties with that community and like keep growing in that degree. Like we want to have a final release, but that doesn't mean that the game ends there. It's a, the game, I, I want to think of it as a platform that could cons- constantly be growing and, and taking new, new units, new modules and new simulations that could kind of start giving us a window into the contemporary city in a more interesting way. So hopefully that that community will stay with us for some time. Yeah, I'd love to hear you speak a little bit more about how city governments and professional urban planners and architects in the design of actual cities might use Blockhood itself or games like Blockhood and other kind of city simulation um, and city modeling games in the actual pursuit of designing cities um, and what your thoughts around the potentials and benefits and potential problematics of that as well might be. Yeah, well, we just came back from New York from the Games for Change Festival, and and it's really a, a beautiful community that that addresses games that are not just for entertainment, but they have a, an additional component to them, being an educational game or a, a game for a different teaching experience or so on. And I think that that community is growing very in a very interesting way, really realizing that games is a medium that could serve so many different disciplines. Um, architecture being one of those. And we do have a legacy of city building games, games that touch upon ideas of architecture, but games that have to do with city building really look at a city as a whole city. I didn't think that that would be an analogy that we could really work with in terms of, let's say, urban planning or, or even participation of citizens. But we needed something more of a neighborhood simulation. That's, that's one of the first key decisions of Blockwood is to really think of it not as a, as a whole city simulator, but really as how do we look at a small community? What are the ties that this community has with its own environment? And how do the, the participants of that community can actually use something like a video game to not only make suggestions, but make informed suggestions, simulating how those suggestions actually work, right? So if a community would say, well, we might need a better water supply, or we would want to kind of reduce uh, our energy consumption by incorporating this particular technology, they could see, use a game like Blockhood to kind of make a small diagram of how that would work and what 
kind of technologies they would like to bring in and, and make suggestions of their of how their neighborhood could be improved. And, and this is something that we've been in conversations with some uh, municipalities to see if we, how we can reach. We're very early in that stage. So I cannot say we, we've done those uh, particular uh, initiatives yet, but this is where we want to go. We want to have, a first of all, a robust platform that it's having some success in the commercial world. And with that, start kind of applying for funding and to, to kind of connect with both uh, education and also a city municipalities where the game could actually be used for real case scenarios. Yeah, that's that's the direction we're going. And that, of course, relates to your work under the Plethora Project, which I believe is your practice and research studio alongside your work at USC, kind of melding all of these different pursuits of game design and city modeling and architecture. Can you tell me a little bit about the Plethora Project just generally? Sure. I mean, the Plethora Project, it started, it really started like a teaching initiative. I was teaching, as I said before, uh, scripting and programming for architects and designers. And it really started like looking at things like the Khan Academy or Udacity and this kind of um, video content that was being spread online. And I thought we, we could have this kind of uh, material also for architecture. There's, there, there had been a, a few examples of architecture uh, videos, but I wanted really to contribute the, the research that I was doing and put it uh, available online in, in a kind of a platform. So I started doing these Vimeo and YouTube videos about basically programming and software tools and all sorts of different design tools. And yeah, the project grew for quite some time. It's been like I have maybe over 200 videos now, and it has really kind of a, a, a lot of an interesting community in itself. But in some point, I really thought that a better medium to really communicate some of the ideas, uh, it wasn't really to teach them in a video format, but, but a medium like games could engage people in a, a whole different level, right? Where you can actually simulate and, and play and kind of contribute, not just as a passive user or a passive, uh, let's say, uh, someone that would receive the information, but rather kind of generate new information by gameplay. And that's where I really started twisting the direction of that project into game design. And I've been invested in game design since. So the video tutorials have like been decreased, but but at the same time, there's a much kind of a more powerful platform right now. I think that it's kind of uh, globally accessible and, and it can produce much more interesting information and education as well. But in a way, yeah, the Plethora project also became my, research, my, my practice as an architect. So I have been doing projects, smaller projects with uh, some students in USC, some research uh, units, uh, looking at 3D printing and how to really question the way in which we design, right? Like we, we really want to open the doors to kind of design to happen anywhere and empower users to to use platforms like video games to 3D print and to, yeah, to kind of empower uh, the, the creation and the production of design. So that has been the main focus of the Plethora project since then. And yeah, we're, we're basically working with Stratasys as well in another project, which is a 3D printing project. And we're very excited of different alternatives, always having in mind that discrete parts and blocks and units that can combine in different ways, it's kind of a key to enable unexpected creativity from a larger user base. So tell me what is in the next phase of development for Blockhood. Well, we, we just are finishing a meeting regarding the plans for the rest of the year. And we, we really want to have all the content of the game ready by, by August, September, and trying to kind of have a final release of the game before the end of the year. And that's, as I said before, it's not a final release saying this is the end of the project and we're going to move to a new project. It's really kind of the what we think that the game would be in a complete form, but we obviously want to think of modules and new updates that we will include later on. Like um, there's this format that it's a downloadable content that you can add on to games later on. 
so that the game could become far more specific to kind of local conditions or particular industries. That's one of the things, I mean, that's the most kind of uh, clear goal at the moment. We're also in conversation with some companies to create some sponsor content. So especially like energy providers or companies that could actually would want to use the game as an educational platform in order to teach a consumption of different resources and how different systems work. I think that that's a very interesting initiative for us because it really starts touching on the real world and work with real world data about how these companies operate and education. We were really kind of pitching hard to get hopefully some grants or like funding towards creating an educational version of the game that could be used in the classroom. So something that would be called like Blockwood EDU, where we could just put the game in the classroom and, and, and kids would have... And, Kids and, and, and teachers would have tools to kind of play together and also visualize systems and understand about different industries. So I think that the project is it's in a way finishing one chapter, but opening doors for many others. Well, we certainly look forward to seeing what comes next and the different ways that games and simulations like Black Hood can help us design better cities. So Jose Sanchez, thank you so much for joining us on One to One. Yeah, thanks, Amelia. Thanks for listening to Arcanex Sessions One to One with Jose Sanchez. Danilo Voinov edits the podcast, and Matt Skillings composed our music. Myself and Paul Petrunia are the producers of One to One. New episodes come out every Monday. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music. And if you like the podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It helps a bunch. We are at Arc Sessions on Twitter, and you can email us at connect at arcconnect.com. Thanks again for listening.